Uh, we are continuing today in a series, we've been doing this for a while, <clears throat> on God's forgiveness towards us and us forgiving those around us. And we've been talking for quite some time on uh, God's forgiveness towards us, this perfect, unbelievably believable forgiveness and grace that God has given us. And we're going to start talking about how we uh, release that onto those around us. And uh, we're going to talk just about some satellite ideas around the idea of forgiveness today. And then uh, from there, we'll kind of move on. I'm not sure why this thing is working, but I'll just point again there, Ginny. Awesome. About five days after 9-11, if you remember uh, quite some time ago, the 9-11 tax on New York, there's a guy by the name of Frank who, um, who told some of his friends that he was going to go out and shoot some towel heads told a waitress at uh, the restaurant, and, uh, and he was serious about it. He actually went to his house, he got some guns, put them in his truck, and he drove around looking for someone who was Muslim or Arab to shoot. And he came across a uh, Chevron gas station that um, uh, there was the manager who was out front who had a turban on, and he was planting some flowers. And Frank saw this fellow by the name of Balbir, and he shot him five times in the back, killing him. You hit the next slide there. Um, shot him five times in the back, killing him. And um, of course, the police eventually caught up to him. And, and as he's arrested, you know, he's saying, I'm a patriot, I'm American. But they, of course, arrested him anyways. At his trial, they sentenced him to, to, uh, to the death penalty. And uh, he was slated to have the death penalty, but in review... Um, Balbir's brother, who's shown in this picture, his name is Rana, actually pleaded that they would not kill Frank. And he said that the reason we don't want Frank to die is because he would not have time to develop remorse, because he wasn't showing any remorse at that time, and he wouldn't have time to develop as a person. And so part of the request of Balbir's brother, Rana, was for, not Frank to, to, for him not to receive the death penalty, and so they dropped it and gave him life in prison. Well, over the years, the, uh, Rana and Frank actually had a few conversations. And um, the most amazing thing is that uh, Rana actually came to forgive Frank. And, and there's a whole other side of the story, but Rana, eventually, he, he traveled all over uh, the U.S. and schools and churches and other things talking about racism and, and racial profiling because, I mean, Frank went out to shoot someone who was, you know, Muslim or Arab, but... Uh, Balbir, who was shot, was actually a Sikh, and he didn't really know the difference. And so, um, anyways, they had a number of conversations, but Rana, interestingly enough, came to a place where he actually forgave Frank for killing his brother. And uh, they actually had, at one time, captured this on a, a little news clip, and it's going to show a quick video of Frank. Trial. I want you to know one other thing. In addition to being sorry to you, especially to his wife and the whole family of yours one day when I pass I'm an old, I'm getting old now I'm 50 almost 58 with a bad heart one day one day when I go to heaven to be judged by God I will ask to see your brother and I will hug him and I will ask him for forgiveness we are we already forgave you <laughs> You know, uh, in in the beginning, uh, and the media asked me when 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 the jury find you a death penalty, and I told the media I don't want to take his life 
this is not my Sikh religion teach me to take somebody's life. He made a mistake, he will regret someday because my brother was the nicest person in this earth. He's a, he's a very kind person and he's very per, the person who united people. And last night we have almost 200 people in his 15th anniversary. And, 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 and the media and he was, his news, his anniversary on CNN news and all over our, our local channel. And, and he, his even death to bring people together and he changed, his death changed my life, his death changed Valerie's life, his death changed so many people's life. And sometimes, you know, that's God will. But I'm so glad today you regret. And I think we already, my family and my community already give you forgiveness in the beginning because, uh, and I, when I met you, uh, your wife and your daughter, that's why you know, I invite them. You know, we don't, we, we, we have a dinner with them. And, and, and hopefully she, she, the, your family can enjoy it. seems to be a story that there actually is genuine forgiveness uh, um, flowing and I'm going to give up on this thing, it's just working. I'll point at you, Jenny. Uh, Rana actually says to Frank um, later in that interview, he says, if I had the power and uh, could take you out of prison, I would do, that, do it right now. If one day you come out, we can both go to the world and tell our story. Uh, and it just really does seem like a story of genuine forgiveness. And sometimes when we, we see these, these stories of like radical forgiveness, we're like, I mean, how in the world is that even possible? I mean, I have enough trouble, you know, forgiving the parking meter, forgiving me a stupid parking ticket. I mean, I mean how in the world can these people forgive these, these large uh, and such terrible hurts in, in, their, in their lives? And part of this is, is forgiveness is much like a muscle. Um, if you're not able to work on forgiving the small things, you're never going to be able to forgive big things. But, but those who live a life of forgiveness and practice forgiving the little things learn to forgive bigger things and eventually are people who actually can forgive some of the most heinous things out there. I mean, it's like, like a muscle when, when you first work out, you can't lift very, your weights, you can't lift a lot, but the more you work out, the heavier weights you can lift. And it's the same with forgiveness that the more you exercise forgiveness, the, the greater your strength actually becomes. And, and we all have things to forgive. Uh, there's, a, this, there's a lot of things that hurt in this life. Uh, all of us will have pains. Some of us will have greater pains than others. But, but um, there are a lot of things that we need to forgive in this, in this life. Next slide, Ginny. Uh, we need to forgive things for the, the bad things that people have done to us. And sometimes we think that's all the things we need to forgive just the horrible things that people have done for us. But actually, sometimes we are actually very hurt over the good things people didn't do for us. If you grew up in a home where uh, your mom and dad weren't there for you, or uh, maybe you went to the doctor and you know, he wasn't there for you the way you, you hoped, and you hoped that there would be good coming, but it didn't come, and, and so you have a bit of resentment or bitterness, or it can even be for perceived hurts. You know, where the other person has no idea maybe they even hurt you because you just perceived it or you took something wrong. And, and we all have these hurts and um, bitterness and resentment is, is actually really, really bad for our mental health. It's really bad for our spiritual health. It's really bad for our relationship with, 
with God. Uh, how do we define forgiveness? We can define it this way. One person says forgiveness is choosing to not let negative experiences of the past define how, we, how you feel in the present. And so not letting those past hurts define how you are feeling in the present moment. Um, next slide. Chester and Betsy uh, say forgiveness is the setting of one's will and the making of a decision to release an offending person or situation. When we forgive, we choose to set them free. By choosing to forgive, we also set ourselves free. And then this is very important. We don't hold resentment or bitterness. We let go of our plans for retaliation. We let go of feelings like they owe us something. Next slide. Jesus, talking about forgiveness, said that we are actually to forgive our brother and sister from, from the heart. And if I were to see some of the, the biggest failings, if you will, or mistakes we make as, a, as, as Christians is that often our forgiveness can actually be very superficial. And it's not, actually not true forgiveness from the heart. I mean, just saying, well, I forgive you, yet I'm still really bitter and angry. It's not, it's not full forgiveness. That's not forgiveness from the heart. And sometimes we just superficially forgive people. Or we pretend we, we've forgiven people just because we want to you know, keep favor with God and he wants me to forgive, so I'm just going to forgive even though you haven't really forgiven from the heart. Or somehow you want to make that peel person feel better by saying, I forgive you, but you haven't really forgiven from the heart. And, and what Jesus wants us to move towards is a place where we can actually forgive people, not superficially, not just saying, no, I forgive you, but actual true heart forgiveness. And we're going to be talking more about that in another message. Next slide. C.S. Lewis, talking about forgiveness, said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. I mean, our, our culture generally actually likes the idea of forgiveness. It's interesting if you look at other cultures on this planet, some cultures actually don't like the idea of forgiveness at all. At all. I mean, some cultures are high in honor and low in forgiveness, and our culture is higher in forgiveness but lower in honor. But, but I mean, we all like the idea here in, in Canada until something really hurts. And sometimes we can talk a lot about forgiveness and you know, I'm a forgiving person until something like Frank kills your brother, Balbeer, and all of a sudden you're faced with something that this is not just the parking meter giving me a ticket. This is not just the waitress putting cream in my coffee when I ask for black coffee. This is not just my, my spouse getting angry at me and thinking I did something when I didn't do something. This, this is heavy. And so forgiveness can be easy if it's light, but it can be extremely hard. And probably all of us in this room are in different categories. I mean, um, there may be things that you're still holding on to because it's just in a category that you can't fathom forgiving at this time, especially forgiving from the heart. And knowing, because I've had enough conversations, there are probably many of you who, have, who think you have actually forgiven someone, but it's actually not heart forgiveness. It's just sort of superficial forgiveness so you can pretend like everything's okay with you and that other person and with, with God. Next slide. Jesus said, I have come, they may have life and have it to the full. Unforgiveness, it really robs us of a lot of life. It really robs us of a lot of happiness and joy and, and freedom. And this is one of the reasons why Scripture tells us to forgive. And we're over and over and over and again, Scripture tells us to take that forgiveness God has given you and to pass it on to other people. But it's interesting, not just Scripture tells us this, but science also tells us this very clearly, that forgiveness is very healthy for us. Next slide. 
Uh, some studies have actually shown that when you forgive people, your state before you forgive to after you forgive can actually increase your happiness by 8 to uh, 28%, which is a lot. I mean, just imagine if somebody had like a, you know, I can give you a boost of happiness. <laughs> You'd be like, I want that. Well, forgiveness can actually do that. It can boost your mood. Uh, neuroscientists who, who do uh, studies on the brain and do all that fancy stuff with scans and stuff have shown that there's actually a vast difference between the forgiving brain and the unforgiving brain. That the unforgiving brain actually has very little connections with the part of our brain that has empathy for people. And those who are able to forgive, their brains have a lot of connection between, between their parts of the brain and that part that has empathy with others. That, that when you learn to forgive, you learn to empathize and you actually become, it just helps all of our relationships. It makes you happier, gives you a better marriage, it enables you to relate to people. And so, I mean, even science has shown that forgiveness is great for health. In fact, I got another clip, just some guy rattling off some science around forgiveness. The study of forgiveness is relatively new, and so far science has shown forgiveness has a genetic component, but can also be taught and passed through social interaction. When people were asked by researchers to think about a time they suffered a wrong, their heart rate, muscle tension, and blood pressure all increased. They reported feeling less in control of themselves and were under significant stress. Forgiveness alleviates those problems and allows the human animal to heal. Psychologists define interpersonal forgiveness as a shift in thinking where the desire to do harm lessens and the desire to benefit the relationship increases. A study funded by the John Templeton Foundation found that when people were able to forgive, they had lower resting blood pressures and they could more easily cope with chronic pain, while patients holding on to anger and resentment experienced aggravated pain. Another study in Michigan found those who refused to forgive had higher levels of cortisol, a major stress hormone produced by the adrenal gland and a natural steroid, while the Mayo Clinic says those who'd practiced this shift in thinking have lower incidences of depression, better functioning immune systems, and nervous systems. They also had lower rates of heart disease. Ultimately, outside of direct biological benefits, social science done by Stanford University indicates forgiveness can help interpersonal relationships flourish. Taken together, forgiveness lets the body physically relax and mentally heal, which I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty great. Someone described unforgiveness as drinking poison and hoping the other person's gonna die. <laughs> because the reality is, I mean, unforgiveness actually affects you. And this is why if you wanna live free, is it's actually more about you than actually the other, the other person. And again, science has shown that when you live in unforgiveness, it, it has horrible effects on your mental health and, and just your own sense of, of well-being. And it's very cool how, you know, modern day science has really shown that all along these things that scripture has been telling us that it's actually backed up by science, that forgiveness is a very, very good thing. And, and uh, the scriptures tell us, next slide, that forgiveness is a very, very good thing. Ephesians chapter 4 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3 says, make allowance for each other's faults and, uh, and forgive anyone who offends you. And this is that practice of the little practice of the little things, where you just make allowance for everybody's faults, especially during COVID when we tend to be a little more tense and freaking out and just make more allowance for people's faults and it actually develops your forgiveness muscles. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And you notice the order of that. The Lord forgave you, 
and so we must forgive. And so we receive this forgiveness and we pass it on to other folks. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew 18, again talking about the, 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 the seriousness of forgiving people. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. You look at Jesus' teaching of forgiveness, and it is, um, it is intense. <laughs> I mean, it is radical. Like, it is, it is, even for our culture today where we like forgiveness, it's like, whoa, that's, that's pretty intense to forgive someone 77 times. And what Jesus is essentially saying is that we just need to be forgiving people who forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. And perhaps the most radical thing Jesus said about forgiveness is, next slide, is in Matthew chapter 6. He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Next slide. This is a crazy statement. Let me read that again. Hopefully this disturbs you. <laughs> if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Hopefully we're saying, like, wait a minute, Jesus. What are you saying? I mean, I mean, how does this work? Next slide. With things like Ephesians chapter 2, where it says God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't, can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So it seems Jesus is saying, if we forgive people, then God will forgive us. It seems like conditional forgiveness. That the way we receive forgiveness is when we forgive others. And so how does that work with Ephesians 2 when it says it's a gift? That we can't take credit for our salvation because if it's based on me forgiving others, then I can take credit for it. Like, yay, I've forgiven people. That's why I'm saved. I mean, there's issues if we take this at point blank literal form because, I mean, really it makes a lot of things really unfair in life as well. Because if, if our forgiveness from God is based on how we forgive, well, then those people who live a nice, easy life and, you know, the worst thing that ever happens to them maybe is they get scammed out of a thousand bucks and they can forgive that. But what about people who have gone thing, through things like Rana and Frank or the Holocaust? And if your forgiveness is based on you forgiving, well, what about those people who have a really hard time forgiving because it's such a horrible thing compared to those who just have it off easy? I mean, again, do we take what Jesus said completely literally? Or what about some of the verses we looked at? Next slide. In, uh, that we've looked at in the series where God says, I will never again remember their sins or his love keeps no records of wrong or there, there's no condemnation. Now Jesus says, if you forgive people's sin, then God will forgive you. Well, if he's forgiven and forgotten it and then I don't forgive somebody, is it like God like resurrect the, the sin and bring it up again? I mean, if, if there's no record, does he recreate the record with his miraculous powers? I mean, how does this work? <laughs> Or next slide, I mean, how does this work with some of the things that John said? Where he says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, not just Christians, but the sin of the world. Or 1 John 2, 2, he says, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, not only our sins, but the sins of the whole entire world. I mean, John's saying God didn't just 
He doesn't just forgive Christian sins, but, but the sins of the whole world. So if Jesus says, if your forgiveness is based on us forgiving, then, then how does this work? If he's forgiven everybody on the, on the planet, then does this God resurrect things because, oh, you didn't forgive that, so I'm going to bring this back up. How does that work? Well, with most things in Christianity, and if you've been here long enough, you know there's lots of different opinions, right? Uh, next slide. Let me just cover some of these. There are some Christians who actually take this very literally. And they say, well, Jesus said it. I'm going to believe it word for word. That means if you don't forgive somebody, God's not going to forgive you, which means you're in big trouble, I guess. Uh, they would take this very literally. And so, again, um, these people often end up in superficial forgiveness because they want to pretend that they're forgiven so that God forgives them. And they actually never actually forgive from the heart because sometimes it can be really hard to actually forgive from the heart. Uh, this literal view, of course, has issues, and we've looked at some of the verses that makes forgiveness conditional. It means that it's not a gift. It's based on our action. There's other views out there, like this one, number two. Next slide. Uh, some people say that Jesus was teaching under the law, and the cross had not yet happened. This idea, we see Jesus say this a few times, that if you don't forgive, then God won't forgive you. You don't see any of that teaching after the cross. So some people say that Jesus was teaching still under the law because the cross hasn't happened. And they might point to a verse like Matthew 5 where it says, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, do we enter the kingdom of heaven by obeying the law like the Pharisees and doing better than them? No, <laughs> that was the teaching of the law. And so in the same sermon, some say, well, Jesus said, that if you forgive people's sin, then God will forgive you. And they would say that Jesus was teaching under the law, and that's not for us today. That's another option. Next slide. Another view is that Jesus is talking about our day-to-day -day relationship, not like ultimate forgiveness. And so uh, it'd be like in a marriage. You're married to somebody, and let's say, um, I don't know, the husband didn't clean up the cat litter, and the wife's mad. And there's a bit of bitterness going on, and, and you know, the, the forgiveness is not flowing. Because forgiveness is not flowing does not mean they're going to divorce because of the cat litter. But it does affect their day-to-day -day relationship. And so they would say that when you forgive others, God doesn't forgive you. It's not talking about ultimate forgiveness or salvation. It's just talking about there's a kind of a break in your relationship, like a husband or wife fighting over the cat litter. Sort of day-to-day -day relationship is another view. Another view... Next one is the fruit of the Spirit view. That the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us will make us want to forgive. And so they would say that we should forgive others. That shows that we have the Holy Spirit in us and it means that God has forgiven us. And so they kind of make this a little bit backwards. They would look at Philippians 2 where it said, It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. In other words, God's will for you is for you to forgive people. And so if you have the Holy Spirit in you, your ultimate desire is going to be to want to forgive others, which shows that God has already forgiven you. So that's kind of the, the, the way they work it. And if you, if you totally don't want to forgive somebody and there's nothing in you that wants to ever, ever forgive them in your entire life, they would say, well, it shows that you probably don't have the Holy Spirit in you and therefore God has probably not forgiven you. Is kind of this view. Uh, the next view is the last one, and I, I, I like this view. This is my view on this passage, but who knows what's right. And this is the exaggeration to make it a point view. Uh, we exaggerate a lot of things in this world all the time, like, he's got a ton of money. 
doesn't actually mean he has like a ton of money because most of our money is just digital. Let's say he has a nice car. I guess he could have a ton of money. That's possible. Uh, or I've told you a million times. Well, probably you haven't, but probably what you're saying is what I'm saying is really, really important. I've told you a whole bunch of times. Like it's an exaggeration to make a point or, you know, my feet are killing me. Probably not, but they hurt, but you're exaggerating to make a point. And exaggeration was very, very common in Jewish culture. The New Testament is filled with it. We use it, but not nearly what the Jewish people did. And a lot of the things Jesus says are actually exaggerations to make a point because that's how they talked back in those days. Next slide. Uh, for example, Matthew 5.29 says, If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, we don't take that literally, at least I hope you don't, because as far as I know, everybody's got two eyes and... Uh, and he goes on to talk about cutting off your hand. I think everybody's got two hands. We don't take that literally. I mean, it's an exaggeration to say, take sin seriously. But, you know, next slide. There was actually a guy who did take it seriously. Origen is an early church father. He really struggled with lust, and so he actually castrated himself. And he took it literally. Uh, but we know this is not literal because, um, because Jesus says that sin flows from the heart. It's a heart issue. Gouging out your eye, cutting off your hand, casting yourself doesn't deal with the real heart issue. Again, it always goes back to the heart. So we know Jesus is not saying this literally. He's exaggerating to make a point. Next slide. Uh, sometimes it's more subtle, like Matthew 6.6. 6 also is an exaggeration to make a point because we see Jesus using this often. He says, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Now, either Jesus is exaggerated to make a point, or he is a huge hypocrite, because we see Jesus praying in public all the time, and praying in front of people, but he is saying, because of the, you know, the way the Pharisees did to make it a show, he says, you know, go pray in private. It's an exaggeration to say, don't show off in your prayers. And so a lot of scholars think when Jesus says, next slide, this thing on forgiveness, that Jesus is exaggerating to make the point. He's saying, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. And the, the point is, you've got to take forgiveness very, very seriously. But the point that God's not going to forgive you is actually not to be taken literally because that flies in the face of everything Jesus taught and everything the new covenant teaches. And so if someone throws that out at you, because sometimes abusers will use this to keep you under their control. You have to forgive me else God's not going to forgive you. If you want to be a good Christian, you better forgive me. And they just want you to forgive because they want you to be back under their control so they can continue to abuse you. This is not what Jesus was saying. Another satellite issue around forgiveness is sometimes you might come across this in Luke chapter 17. Some Christians teach that you should only forgive another person if they repent. If they don't repent, you actually don't have to forgive them. And they take this idea from Luke chapter 17, where Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. If they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. And the apostles say, Lord, increase our faith. But here Jesus says, if they repent, forgive them. And then he says, you know, if they sin seven times, and if they repent, then, you know, you forgive them like he's talking about the 77 times. You notice this is different from Matthew's version. 
Matthew's version says nothing about the person repenting. Luke's version says something about repentance. is a reminder that the Bible is not a word-for-word thing of what Jesus said. It's the writer summarizing what Jesus said. Sometimes they add stuff, sometimes they take stuff away because Jesus obviously didn't say the same thing because it's written two different ways. But Luke adds, if you repent. So, does this mean, as Luke says, we only forgive people if they repent? There are some Christians who teach this. They say the only time you forgive a person is if you say, you know, will you fess up to what you did and how you hurt me and you better repent and, you know, if you repent, then I will forgive you. Um, Most Christians don't agree with this. Some do. Next slide. Um, Because reality is if they repent, well, well, great, but what if they don't? (laughs) You just sit there in your unforgiveness. And they would say, well, you don't say that in the unforgiveness. You don't forgive the person, but you should just deal with, deal with your own stuff to keep yourself from being bitter, but you don't have to forgive them. But the reality is, all the rest of the New Testament talks about forgiving. The reality is we are to forgive as God forgives. It's, as uh, next slide shows here, Ephesians 4.2. It says, we are to forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And how does God forgive? Well, we see the greatest example that the pinnacle of who God is is found in Jesus dying on the cross. And here we see Jesus dying on the cross saying to all those people who have crucified him, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Now, none of those people are out there repenting. None of those people are saying, oh, I'm really sorry for what I did. But Jesus is saying, God, would you forgive them? You see, that's the heart. And we are to forgive as God has forgiven us. And again, John says, you know, Jesus has not only forgiven, you know, our sins, but the sins of the whole world. I mean, that's, that's God's heart. And so we are to have the same heart where we forgive even if someone does not repent. And sometimes this is just a matter of semantics. Next slide. Uh, some people say you don't forgive unless they repent because they confuse forgiveness and reconciliation. A lot of people confuse this and they think if I forgive that person that means I have to trust them again or if I forgive them that means I have to be reconciled to them no it doesn't it doesn't at all they're completely different things forgiveness is a process that occurs primarily primarily inside of you where you release yourself from the pain and and, and, and the struggle and the bitterness and the resentment so that you can be free It doesn't matter if that person repents or not. That person doesn't even need to know if you've forgiven them. You can walk in forgiveness and forgive that person. Reconciliation is the slow, intentional process of restoring a fractured relationship between two or more people. It's a different thing. You can forgive somebody and totally not trust them. And that's totally Christian because the John chapter 2 says Jesus did not trust man. He didn't even trust people, uh, as certain people. Uh, just because we forgive them doesn't mean we need to trust them. And just because we've forgiven somebody doesn't mean we are automatically reconciled to them. Again, this is very important because there has been a lot of cases of abuse in the church and control freakouts in the church by people abusing the idea of forgiveness. Again, an abuser might say, you know, to his wife, you are a Christian, you need to forgive me. You need to let go of all your bitterness and resentment. You need to trust me again and you need, we need to be reconciled. You need to forgive me. Why? Because they want to have control again. They want to use that to bring that person back under their power. But forgiveness is not reconciliation. I mean, you can forgive a person and then if you feel safe, you can enter in a process, sometimes it takes a long, long time to, to bring back trust or to bring back reconciliation. I mean, Paul says, if possible, live at peace with everybody. 
But that's not always possible. Forgiveness sometimes means that you still have boundaries. It's forgiveness, you can totally forgive someone and say, you know what? I just don't want to see you right now. I've forgiven you, but I have a little boundary <laughs> right now, and, uh, and, that's, and that's okay. Forgiveness and reconciliation are different things. Next slide. And lastly, uh, I think we're just covered today, is that forgiveness is ultimately about extending to others the grace God has already given to you. We are meant to be people that flow in the grace of God. I mean, again, to picture the grace of God, just like, it's, it's like a waterfall of love. It's like a waterfall of grace. It, it, it is more than you can ever need, more than you can ever handle, more than you can ever fathom. I mean, if you put yourself under, you know, Niagara Falls, I mean, you might feel some of it, but there's just so much waterfall, and there's more than you could ever imagine. That's God's love on you. It's wider, it's deeper, it's more beautiful. His grace is more fathomable than you could ever imagine. It's flowing on you. And we're meant to be people who take in that flow and we just pass that on to others because it just means we get new, fresh stuff in us. When we are resentful towards somebody, it creates a block. And it says in Hebrews, to watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. And when we are holding unforgiveness... It, become a, it can sometimes feel like a block. I mean, God's love is still pouring on you and it's flying on you, but sometimes unforgiveness is like holding up an umbrella <laughs> and it begins to block the flow of grace. And when we walk in forgiveness, it is, it is just taking that forgiveness that is coming onto us and we just in turn pass it on to others. Last slide. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of of slavery. One of the reasons God wants us to walk in forgiveness is so that we can continue walking in freedom. Again, when there's a root of resentment or bitterness, it, it, it blocks that freedom. It brings us back into slavery because when you are bitter or hold resentment, I mean, you're actually a slave to that person. And when you forgive them, you are letting that go so you can actually move on with your life so you can just, again, experience that fresh pouring of God's grace into you and out of you. And, and it's about passing this grace on. But it goes back to, again, God has always taken the first step. As Jesus said to the woman, this, this woman loves much because she has been forgiven much. That we just go back to just resting in the incredible love that God has given us. And resting in the incredible grace that God has given us. And, and this is the proper flow. I mean, some people are like, you know, I got to forgive this person. And they're, just, they're fighting to get the strength to forgive this person. And that's not where you put your energy. You put your energy into receiving and resting in the grace and the forgiveness of God until that saturates your being so much that you're just, you just want to pass it on to that person. And so don't fight for forgiveness. Rest. Don't strive to get into a place of trying to forgive that person. Just rest in his presence. Receive his love until you get to this place where you're able to forgive as he has forgiven you. So Father, we... Oh God, we just pray for insight as we uh, begin to work through this series on forgiving others. God, you know everyone's pain in this room. God, you know that, that some of us in this room have have faced things that are unbelievably hard to forgive. Maybe we can't even fathom forgiving that person for what they've done. God, we thank you even if we have unforgiving hearts. God, that you just love us. 
that your grace is shining on us, that you are faithful even when we are faithless. And God, as we bask in your love, we pray that you just begin to melt down those roots of bitterness. God, you begin to melt away those walls of resentment. And God, that you would bring us to a place where we could be truly free in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.